Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test I want to jump right into uh, into the word. We're kicking off a new series today uh, entitled Jay-Z, Du Bois, and the Book of Acts. Now, some might ask, what in the world do those three things have in common? Those three, um, those two people and that one text have in common. It's cooperative economics. And many of you have heard me talk about cooperative economics over the last year, and we certainly have been doing the work of cooperative economics here at City Point. And so I want to reinforce that. Those of you that have been around City Point know that I pretty much preach on a cycle. I'm going to talk about finance. I'm going to talk about love. I'm going to talk about um, social justice. So we, And last year I started talking about cooperative economics. So we're in that vein, and we're doing some really dope work that I'll talk about after the sermon. Um, and so you'll see why it's necessary for us to kind of reinforce it by preaching about it, as well as expanding our vision for the possibilities of, of what we can do together. And so speaking of together, that's what I want to talk about today. Today's sermon is simply titled, Stronger Together, Stronger Together. That's what we'll be talking about today. Won't you bow with me in prayer? Lord, thank you for giving me this chance to preach. I pray that it will be meaningful and impactful to your people. I pray that as I pour out, you will pour back into me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. There is a, I want to first cue up this video. Shelly, you have that video ready? And then I'll jump into, um, into, the, into the message. If we could dim the lights too when you do the, the video. Corey, can you dim the lights a little bit up here? to show that video because I wanted to provide an illustration of teamwork, right? Um, individually, none of them could have scaled that 15 to 20 foot wall by themselves. Very likely, none of us here could scale that 15 to 20 foot wall by ourselves. What I love about what happened there is that they use their collective abilities to ensure that everybody regardless of their abilities, could be able to make it above, reach the other side of that wall. That's effectively this picture of cooperative economics or working in general cooperatively that I want to press home throughout this series, is that we are better together, we are stronger together, because together we can do things that we cannot do individually. All right? In a report titled Economic Cooperation Among Negro Americans, 
W.E.B. Du Bois wrote about what he called the other way, which he said led to cooperation in capital and labor, the massing of small savings, the wide distribution of capital, and a more general equality of wealth and comfort, as he said. He prescribed this as one of the two paths forward for black folks. Uh, he wrote this in 1907, and as he put it, black folks stood at a crossroads. He, he said people could either choose to go down one path or the other, that they could continue down the path of cooperation, which had been our way of functioning since our time on this continent, or we could choose what he called the old trodden ways a fierce individualistic competition where the shrewd, cunning, skilled, and rich among us prey upon the mass of the race and get wealth at the expense of the general well-being. He effectively says that we are at a crossroads. This is 115, now 120 years ago. At a crossroads, we have to make the decision whether we want to go down the purely individualistic route or remain focused on working cooperatively. At the time, Du Bois lauded the way in which black people engaged in cooperative economic efforts. And so in the text that I just gave the excerpt from, he does this study for Atlanta University, and, and this long study out of it, he draws out or draws attention to all of the various ways that black folks were working cooperatively together, pooling their resources together. Du Bois basically says in the report that we need to just keep on keeping on. We need to keep on keeping on and not forsake collectivism for individualism. I wonder if he were alive today, 115, 116 years later, how would he say we are faring with this individualism versus cooperation? In Jay-Z's first album, Reasonable Doubt, anybody Reasonable Doubt fans? In the first album, which is the best album in my very humble opinion, there is a song that kicks off the album called Can't Knock the Hustle, featuring Mary J. Blige. That there is a line in the song where he says, we get together like a choir to acquire what we desire. Now, although Jay-Z is an unabashed capitalist, I'm not at all trying to paint him out to be some socialist. Although Jay is an unabashed capitalist, that line in that song, as does another line on the album, speaks to this concept of cooperative economics. Effectively, Jay says, we pull our resources together, we group them up like a choir with their new robes on on the first Sunday. And we use those aggregated resources to acquire the things that we want and we need for ourselves. That, my siblings, is cooperative economics. In the book of Acts, uh, there is the summary statement about the early Christians, about how they lived. Uh, there are actually several summary statements, but this one in particular is in Acts chapter 2, verse 44. It says, all the believers continued together in close fellowship and shared their belongings with one another. 
Acts 4, 34 through 35 from the New Living Translation says, There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. As y'all have heard me talk about on several occasions, the book of Acts mentions that one of the hallmarks of the early church was their practice of cooperative economics. Yeah, they were getting together like a choir to acquire what they desired. They were pulling resources together to support the needs of one another. They were doing the cooperative work that Du Bois talks about and prescribes as the best path forward. So as we look at the verses from each of them that I have used today, this point of us being stronger together emerges. and That is effectively the theme that I want to drop anchor on. I want to share with you that to embrace being stronger together, we must first of all view our collective well-being as more important than our personal well-being. We're going to have to view our collective well-being as being more important. Dr. King says this in his letter from a Birmingham jail. He says, in a real sense, all life is interrelated. All people are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And you can never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. This from the letter from a Birmingham jail. So, so the, when I look at the text, this text that I just talked about in Acts, I think about the way that I was taught as a preacher to examine scripture when I get ready to preach. To kind of look around in almost like a a CSI, forensic science kind of way, looking around, not taking anything for granted that's in the text, but being inspective, investigative about what I see there. And so when I do that, looking at this text that I just talked about in the book of Acts, and I'll read it real quickly for your hearing, I raise this question, how could they? How could they do this? Let me read the text for you one more time. Acts Acts chapter 4, 34 through 35 says, There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles and give to those in need. My question this morning is how could they? It wasn't their problem that some people were poor. It wasn't their fault that some people were facing hardship. It wasn't their problem that some people were having challenges putting food on their tables or paying the emperor's taxes on their land or paying the debts that they owed. It wasn't their problem. So when I look at the text, I'm a little bit perplexed. How could they? How could they sell land and houses and, and give their money to help somebody else's issue when it wasn't their problem in the first place? How could they? How could those who had a little bit of money, those who had worked to climb to be able to access a little bit of resources, maybe through their own hard work, maybe through their own labor, maybe through building their own business, maybe somebody inherited a little bit of cash, but somewhere along the line, somebody had to hustle. And now they got their little piece As the Jeffersons say, we finally got our piece of the pie. 
they got their piece of the pie, how could they start slicing off chunks of their pie, or as we call it, cake, to feed somebody else? I got my own family to feed. I got my own vacations to go on. I got my own student loans to pay. I got my, 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 my own renovations to my own house that I'm trying to do. I got my own kids and their expenses. How could they? Why, why didn't they reason? Because these are Jews that are in Jerusalem that are Christians. How could they not reason? I'm a Jew like you. I ain't got money like that. I ain't out here balling. How could they not reason that I'm, I'm, I'm a few things going wrong, a little bit of shifting sand away from me trying to figure out how to make a dollar out of 15 cents? How, how could they? I want to argue this morning that the reason is because they value the collective well-being and not just their own. Let me say that one more time because I need to make sure we get this. I believe that the only way they were able to do that is because they valued the collective well-being, not just their own. They, they asked the question of themselves, not how am I doing, but how are we doing? There was, as Dr. King would call it, a dangerous unselfishness there. And so I want to push us this morning as a congregation of educated folks, middle class and upper class folks. Many of us are beneficiaries of fruit that we eat from trees that we did not plant. Somebody else planted them. We are beneficiaries of the sacrifices that other people made for the sake of the collective well-being, and now we are beneficiaries of it. Let me say that it would be a terrible tragedy now that we've come out of the wilderness, as they would say, for us to tread into individualism rather than care about the well-being of the collective. Carl and I live in a home that we only are able to own because of the 1968 Fair Housing Act that is a part of the Civil Rights Act that was passed seven days after Dr. Martin Luther King got assassinated. And they leveraged his assassination, the mood of the nation, and the decade plus of work that he and others had done to get this act passed through Congress. And that is the only reason that we live in the house on the corner of our subdivision in the neighborhood that we live in is because of that effort that he and many other nameless folks whose names history will never remember, the work that they did is the reason why we live where we live. Our daughter goes to the school she goes to or could go to any school that she wants to go to. It is the reason that many of you have been able to build equity. It is that work, that effort that somebody gave that was about the well-being, not just of themselves. Some of these folks were very middle class, upper middle class. Dr. King didn't do that work just because he didn't have nothing else that he could be doing. 
the countless other things that he could have been doing with his life. The brother had a Nobel Prize. Um, the brother had a Ph.D. by the, before he was 25, y'all. There's a whole lot of other things. His salary by the time he died was around a school teacher's salary. There's a, this was about the collective well-being. And you and I are beneficiaries. Some of you have the positions you have in your companies, the seats at the table that you have the chance to occupy because some other person, some other group did the work around diversity, equity, inclusion before it was even a catchphrase. Somebody else was the first black or the first woman or the first Asian, or the first Latinx person that broke down the barriers and they did it for the collective well-being and we are beneficiaries of it. We are eating fruit from trees. We are sitting under the shade of trees that we did not plant. And so how terrible would it be for us to take that, for us to be living off of that and decide to not give back to the collective, but to now step into this zone, this, this zone of individualism, this zone of me, myself, and mine, rather than caring for the collective. Yeah. And I get it. It's easier said than done. I know we live in a time where inflation is high. I know we live in a time of a very tenuous economy. I, I know that the cost of middle class life is extremely expensive and it can cause us to feel that hoarding is actually our only option and perhaps our only hope. It can make us feel like that because housing ain't cheap, daycare ain't cheap, student loan payments ain't cheap, utilities ain't cheap. Groceries ain't cheap. I went in just for a few things the other day. And they were like $129. And I'm like, this, 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 this. I didn't even have enough bags to need to put stuff in the trunk. Like, this was just a backseat of the car level grocery trip. $129. Groceries ain't cheap. Buying clothes for kids that they grow out of every few months, it ain't cheap. And then we got to worry about sending them to college so they don't get in the same trap we got in with student loans, and that ain't cheap. And on top of that, some of us are helping out our parents or other family members. It ain't cheap. It might look like on the top line that we make a lot of money, but it just don't go so far. But it just don't go as far as it needs to go. And so let me say the expensiveness of life can cause us to internalize the idea that the best path forward is to hoard all you can because you don't know how much you're actually going to need. And if you're like me, you're afraid of becoming older and perceived as being obsolete by an emerging generation that don't need your labor, your ideas, or your work anymore and you've run out of money, time, and opportunity to be able to make more. It's easy to think about all of that 
and just want to hoard. I can't think about helping you. I, I got to make sure I got enough stacked for me and for mine. That's natural and I understand it. But let me say this. This is what makes our faith special. It's this right here. It is the belief that the collective well-being is more important than just my own. It is in a real sense an expansion of family. Because Jesus does that in the Gospels, right? Remember they came to Jesus, they were like, your mom and your sisters and your brother are outside. And Jesus says, my mother and my siblings are all of those who do the will of the Father. In an effective sense, Jesus there was expanding the scope of kinship to include not just those that are blood relatives, not just those that we would do anything for in the way that I would do anything for Carla, I would do anything for Layla, but in a way that expands it and says, I would do anything for y'all. So it does not just crush us if our children don't have enough to eat or warm bed to sleep in, but anybody within our, especially this community, not having enough. We care about the well-being of the collective. Let me push this thing along. The second thing that we would need to do is we would need to soberly assess our individual limitations. So in thinking back to that video of that team scaling the wall, none of them could get over, again, could get over that wall alone. Reality is there are many things that you and I can all do by ourselves, but there are some things that we cannot do on our own. I have this bad, I have some unlearning that I need to do. I grew up as an only child in the house, and so I had to learn how to do a lot of things, figure out how to do a lot of things by myself. And so it has created this muscle memory of the first thing I do is I try to figure it out for myself or do the thing, do the task alone. But I have, I have come to realize that there are limitations as to what I can do by myself. And for you, you may be super resourceful on your own, but there are limits to what you can do on your own. And so this is what we see in the story in the book of Acts. We see them drawing on the collective so that they could do more together than they could do individually. One person could not solve all the problems of all of the people, but if everybody that had means could chip in, it could get dealt with. Likewise, this is what Du Bois is talking about, and likewise, this is what Jay talks about. Let me say thirdly and finally, we need to realize the aggregate power of the collective. I don't think we really understand the aggregate power that we have when we come together economically. This was my thesis project for my master's degree in seminary, was reimagining tithes and offerings as cooperative economics. The power is there. We just don't use it well. Think about this for a second. In a few minutes, and some of you already did it. You did it Friday when you got paid. In a few minutes, we're going to do offering. And a bunch of people, some of whom don't know each other, some of whom are here for the first time or have only seen me on the Internet and are here for the first time, 
will go into their app or will go into their checkbook and will write a check to give money to this institution and it will all be an aggregate of money that comes from various people. And it happens week after week after week after week. Where else does that happen? In our community, name me another place that we trust each other and our institutions as much as we trust the church. I, I argued when I did my thesis that in our community, some people don't trust the stock market, don't trust the bank, don't trust a financial advisor, but they will trust the church. And so what do we do with that mandate, that trust, that responsibility? It has to be more than programming and a good time. Yeah. I think we have to really stop and realize our aggregate power. Let me close with this illustration. Um, I need three volunteers. Three volunteers. Come on up. All right, y'all can come on stage. So I need everybody to take a rope. Everybody take a rope. Okay. Let me grab my scissors. All right, this is what we're going to do. So I'm going to cut every rope. All right, give me just a sec. So I just cut every rope. These are some basic um, ninth grade scissors. There's nothing spectacular about these scissors. Um, good sized ropes individually. I was able to cut straight through them pretty much in short order. All right, next what I want y'all to do is I want you to braid your ropes together. Individually, I could cut through it. I want them to braid them together and then I'm gonna cut through it. You, you can get rid of the cut ends and then just, just braid together the what's left. <laughs> Only well, I'm, gl I'm glad I'm glad we got a sister that <laughs> it would have been third Sunday. They would have still been trying to figure it out. All right, good stuff. There's so much, so many, go ahead, you, you guys can, all, all three hold it. So many illustrations even in that. Two didn't know how to braid it, but by working cooperatively, somebody, right? So, so she, she brought some intellectual capital to the table, right? We don't all bring the same stuff. And it, do, it doesn't matter that we don't all bring the same stuff. And that's the picture of the body of Christ. Paul talks about that. He says, you can't, the eye cannot say to the arm that I don't need you. The body is interdependent. All right, so I'm going to cut through it again. 
I can't cut through it. Can somebody tell me why I can't cut through it? It's stronger together. There's, there's no difference. There's the same amount of rope on the stage right now. I gave them three pieces and I cut through three pieces. But when they aggregated their power together, they were able to do collectively what they could not do individually. Right? The whole is stronger than the sum of the parts. One plus one plus one does not equal three. It, it is not that in this dynamic. Something exponential happened that it went from breakable, easily breakable, to unbreakable. That's what I mean by cooperative economics. Thank you. Y'all give them a hand. close with this last scripture. It's from Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 4 and 12 says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, thank you Thank you for pushing us, teaching us that we are stronger together. I pray that this message will resound within our hearts and result in action, action that will bring glory to you and that will better our lives and our community. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Won't you praise God for his word? Oh.